Hey everyone, welcome to the Outlaws of Horror podcast. I am Outlaw Paul and today I am joined by my fellow Outlaw. Introduce yourself. Outlaw Colin here guys, hope you're doing well. We have another guest and we also have no Scott because um, let's not embarrass Scott. <laughs> we wouldn't want to do that. Um, but Why would we ever want to do that? Scott should be here going, hey guys, Scott here. Sorry. Um, he would be here normally, but he's um, he's got a blown tyre. So shame and disgrace upon you, Scott, you, you cheat bastard. I am going to throw this out there because, you know, somebody's got to. Blown tyre or a motorway, a motorway lay-by on a Saturday night for maybe some other spurious reason. Dogging! <coughs> hey, oh, dogging, you got to try it once. <laughs> <laughs> got to try a bit of dogging. You know. Got to try a bit of dogging, hey, yeah. Anyway, right. so yeah, so so Scott is not with us because he's dogging. I mean, sorry, his car's broken down. So uh, Paul and I are uh, going to have some fun with a guest this evening, and this guest uh, is somebody who is a, a big horror fan uh, and a big producer of horror work. He's got somewhere in excess of two hundred published uh, books, stories, novellas, whatever you might want to call them. He. he uh, doesn't restrict himself to any particular medium uh he's uh made some short films he's got a few in the can and a few in pre-production that we're going to be keen to talk about this evening so rather than me keep going on i shall welcome matt shaw to the podcast matt shaw. hi matt how's it going thank you for joining us this evening thanks for the invite we uh spoke about you briefly with the guys at horrify me they they yeah. seem to know you and they they put us in touch, uh, so I just thought I'd briefly uh, ask you, uh, what's your relationship with those guys, and how do you how do you know them? What sort of work have you done with them before? You know what? I I I'm I, I really hope Rick isn't going to listen to this, but I don't actually know <laughs> how I've got a relationship with him. I mean, I saw his stuff obviously online because he's everywhere with his mm. uh, photography because it is fantastic, and. Um, Literally, I went to Bristol Horror Con and saw this guy who I'd since friended on Facebook, you know, Rick Jones, with a Horrify Me hoodie on, struggling to get his equipment in, into the convention. So I just gave him a hand and then we just got chatting face to face, booked in a session. And um, yeah, I've had a few sessions with him now. And I'm, funny enough, I'm due to see him um, soon as lockdown finishes. I'm actually booked in to do another calendar shoot with him. Oh, cool. Uh, what's that going to involve? Can you talk about that or can you talk about the past stuff? I don't actually know what it's going to involve. Um, oh, I, originally, it was going to be... Well, yeah, it is dangerous. Originally, it was going to be uh, American Psycho-themed. Nice. Interesting you just say about um, Rick and Horrify Me and there's a calendar. Colin, just to be clear, and for everyone, um, Colin, unless he does Leprechaun as a theme, that won't be happening <laughs> for you. It just won't be happening. Okay, the only thing that you'll ever fit is Leprechaun. Although we have actually said on a pre in just private chats that um, we, as a group of lads, need to go down there and do some, because we've just filmed a little zombie short, um, yeah. which was really cool, and we got all made up and stuff. But but Rick, you're right. His, the Horrify Me Instagram account and stuff, it's off the charts, man. His, we, his, his it's, work it's is... weird. Um, don't think I'm running him down, because I'm definitely not. Um, but the first time I ever went for a, for a shoot, it was with my wife. And it's in his workshop where he's got his day business, and I'm standing there in, you know, basically uh, a little warehouse type garage thing. And I'm like, 
have I come to the right place? <laughs> and then he just sets up this little screen, does the photos, and you think, yeah, okay. And then when he sends them to you when they're finished, you're like, wow, did not see that coming. The um, magic, yeah. It is, it is insane. You should definitely, I, I urge anyone that they should definitely go and book in with him because, you know, uh, both Rick and Claire, they're just great. So you have a fantastic day, you have a good laugh, and you walk away with with um, some photos which really upset your friends if they're uh, sensitive. They do. I, I bought his, it was either the 20, yeah, it must have been, yeah, the 2018 calendar. I think it was whatever the first one is that he's done, I yeah. think. I bought the 2018. Uh, and for two reasons, uh, between the house and the work, I didn't, really have anywhere physically to hang it i know it's now offices i mean i I don't know if if calendars have become dated because you get so many other ways of knowing when it is with your phone and your computer and your watch and anything else i don't know if the concept has been dated Uh, but office don't seem to be designed with a lot of places to hang a calendar uh and the house wasn't doing very great either uh but what also gave me reservations uh was it was just so offensive which i which is what i liked about it but i thought i can't hang this up it's just gonna cause craziness uh yeah take it you've seen the spike the spike picture with the girl spi- yeah. yeah i don't like all this stuff i he did he he's he did one that's to be honest i mean i guess it's digital photoshop but i'd like to think it was maybe some other version of way of doing it but he's literally got i think it's the kid is holding a butcher's knife in one hand and his yeah. mum's head in the other I believe that one brilliant. got loads of complaints. I think it did, yeah. And I, I like that one in particular. I mean, I do love his work. The Outlaws, yes. We keep talking about getting a book thing in. We must get a book thing in. He's not even far from you, Paul. He's, he's just down in Kent, isn't he? Somewhere yeah. down in Kent. So yeah, I've just, I've just got to swim a couple of miles that yeah. way and I'll be there then, yeah. <laughs> Easy. You so, should so definitely book in because, let's say, um, even if you don't do anything with the photos afterwards, it's just such a good crack doing it. What I will say to anyone considering it is make sure you take a rucksack full of cleaning products <laughs> because the blood he uses is so sticky. It's oh, just, man. And I, I have to drive uh, it's about three and a half hour drive for me to get there. So you can imagine um, getting covered in blood, not washing it off properly. And then just driving back for three and a half hours, just sticking. And you'd see, oh, it's yeah. great. But do you so, get to pick who you get made up as? Because I was yeah. thinking about this yeah. the other day, and I was thinking maybe Sid Haig from Land of a House of a Thousand Corpses, maybe yeah. that sort of maniacal clown with the beard, because I don't really want to shave the beard off. But The way his website works, you can pre-book a standard thing, whether it's a zombie or vampire or something else. But but you can also present to him any kind of concept that you want. Like you could, you know, I mean, what we could think of if we wanted to do it was think of something that is a group and do that group. Or we could just do our, all our own random characters and then have them all in one thing or separate things even, you know, it's the pretty first flexible. Time, the first time I went to see him, um, I actually saw him uh, in a London really dingy nightclub convention type thing where he, he came there and um, I told him that I wanted ideas based on my books. So I actually presented him with ideas of what I wanted and he made it happen. Like the last photo shoot I did with him or the one before that, um, just in case you don't know me, I am weird. Um, and I've got uh, like my assistant director, Justin Park, I invited him down to the photo shoot. And we got on these step ladders. We took our tops off. We're on these step ladders next to each other, and we're holding hands. 
And by the time Rick had finished with that photo, we were two majestic centaurs holding hands, looking <laughs> off into the distance. And Excellent. It's such a great photo. <laughs> yeah, we've, ha- we've had a few other guests who've uh, been lucky enough to spend a whole day. We, we had, I, I don't know if you know, uh, Peachy Russell, she did a lady pinhead shoot with him that was absolutely uh, i don't amazing. know but i've seen the photos yeah and, and she was giving us a bit of an insight about that how they had that she is an amazing woman the hell weighs a score playing all day long while they were in the studio tea on endless supply uh and then just having great fun with with it all and then she talked about the the blood as well so yeah she's definitely was disgusting she did yes yeah. she did and lots of it in oh, copious yeah. splashes it, of everywhere it, my photos, because I'm just, uh, the only reason I do a calendar is I was messing around and, and one year I thought, you know what, I'm so vain, I'm going to do a, a calendar, but I'm going to do it like David Hasselhoff, you know, so proper 80s cheese. And um, then they just carried on going and Rick's always there going, could we get the blood out now, could we get the blood out <laughs> <laughs> and he still wants me to uh, completely strip off and cover myself head to foot in blood. Oh, lovely. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I mean, I know the photo. I mean, if he does Photoshop in a certain area where it will be needed, I know the photo <laughs> will come out great, but, oh, it's going to be disgusting. Yeah. I'll be tell like, you what, I, I, if, I, if I could pick anything, um, I'd probably do. Uh, do you remember Nightmare on Street 3 when the, the kid's sleepwalking with his veins coming out of his arms? Yeah. I'd love to do something like that. that I, would be, I think that would look a really bad shot. If you present that to him and say, this is what I want to do, because he's just absolutely batshit crazy and mm. nothing is too much for him. So he might at first go, ooh, but then he's got this brain that seems to like the challenge and he will then go and get yeah, it done. His photos, the, the, I look at some of his photos that he puts on Instagram and I go, how the hell do you do that? How, many, yeah. how do you even start coming up with a concept to have someone's skin being ripped off and there? It, it, oh, some of the stuff he does is just like, wow. It's if like you, proper Hollywood. This it's it's up there with Hollywood yeah. stuff. If you think he has people fly in from America and and places just to see him, I mean, like, you know, he is great at it. So yeah, he had a he, he, he was on the podcast uh, about a month ago, and he he had a he, he had a he had a couple flying from Australia. Australia. Yeah. Fuck. Crazy. If you follow him close enough, I think now and again he puts up some behind the scenes stuff so you can get a yeah. little insight into how some things work occasionally. Uh, and you'd, I'm like, wow, okay. Now I see. I've got a lot of his stuff figured out now just from where I've watched him for so many years in a non creepy kind of way, which in case <laughs> you're listening. Um, I've got a lot of the stuff done, uh, you know, figured out in how he does it. Like you said about the head and the knife with the, the kid. Um, and it's not secrets I'll ever give out, but then he does come along with something where I'm like, nope, I cannot figure out how he did this one. Yeah. Um, but even just the stuff he makes, you know, like he made um, the alien. I don't know if you saw the alien photo shoot. Yes, I did. But mm. even that. And, um, you know, he showed me around his he's got a man cave at his house and he built this R2D2. And even that is you know. Like, where do your talents end, you bastard? <laughs> yeah, his, his talents are, are brilliant. Um, I would like, I, I just want to get into some of the questions now. Matt, so you've got on IMDb writing, producing, directing, acting yeah. credits, all sorts. How did you get into all, all of this? How did you fall into doing what you do? Um, 
like most people, I cheated. Um, I, I got a career in the books. Uh, you know, I've been working on books for 15 odd years now. And it got to a certain level where I had, uh, I was fortunate enough to have enough readers where I could turn around and go, hey, you know what? I'm going to produce a film. And I put one on Kickstarter uh, with a fellow author called Michael Bray. And within 24 hours, we smashed the goal that we needed. So I produced and directed Monster. Um, And then I've just been going back to Kickstarter and Indigo and raising more money for other films and trying to get them to be bigger productions. Um, And so, yeah, it's literally I'm using crowdfunding to to pay for everything. The money we raised for Monster um, was such a substantial amount that we managed to purchase all of our film equipment. So like the camera, the lights, the sound gear. So we are now technically set up as a production company. Cool. Um, To do it by yourself, it's uh, it's hard. But as you know, getting your foot in the door the legitimate way is is even harder. Yeah. So just on the books, because I I did a little bit of digging around. uh, As we progress, you'll probably see that I'm the sort of stalker of... Of, uh, I can confirm he is a massive stalker. Yeah, massive stalker. Uh, was knocking at my door. <laughs> or was perching that tree with a wide-angle lens. Was, uh, <laughs> uh, and depending on where you go, and I can understand that with what you just said, you've you've written somewhere. I, I see figures of like two hundred plus publications. I think I saw somewhere even a figure sort of banded around five hundred publications yeah. between short stories and novels and books. So. Where would the uninitiated start and uh, what would you recommend in terms of discovering you as an author? It's a pretty hard one to answer because, I mean, I write in different genres because, you know, just because some people like might, uh, might like extreme horror doesn't mean everyone will. No. Um, so I try and mix it up. But the book that actually launched my career is a book called uh, Sick Bastards. And it's three. <laughs> Sick bastards, sickest bastards. Ah. Um, and it's kind of post-apocalyptic cannibalism, incest, that kind of stuff. But it is extreme horror. Um, to give you an idea, it starts off with a real strong sex scene. Um, I mean, proper graphic. Um, and then a door opens and an old woman steps in. She's like, for <laughs> fuck's sake, put your sister down. Dinner's on the table. <laughs> And dinner on the table is a man strapped to the table being carved up by the father. Nice. Uh, but then if they don't want to go extreme, then there's um, a serial killer book that I wrote called, um, it was called Happy Ever After, but I released a set called The Peter Chronicles, which is every single book in that series, because there's about eight books in that series. Um, so if you're on Kindle Unlimited, it's just easier to get that, saves you money. Yeah. I'm hoping one day somebody's going to release a series of books called The Adventures of Bob. Um, Bob is some maniacal serial killer. I think that would be quite a cool sounding right, book. Accepted. Hey, like a Bob. That. <laughs> That'd be really cool. Hey, Bob. It's name about it, isn't it? Really, Bob. Bob. I, every time I hear the name Bob, I just think of Rowan Atkinson. Blackadder. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah Bob. Yes. Bob. <laughs> well, I was actually, given the, given the time of year, I was we visit in Blackadder uh, goes forth and uh, I'd literally, I'm not even joking, an hour before this podcast, I was flicked on a quick episode uh, and it was the one where Bob is and it's the same actress, which I thought was really good. 
Uh, and every time you turn Blackadder on, it's the one with Bob. <laughs> it's the one with Bob, yes. I hope she gets good royalties because uh, it's yeah. definitely getting mine. The fourth series free. is the most popular because it was the most poignant as well. Yeah. I think it was the most hard hitting, some of the best lines. For me, my favourite one uh, was the one with the prince. Oh, Blackadder oh, yeah. Third. Black, yeah, third. Yeah, yeah. third. Yeah. I love that one. It's so yeah. stupid. I wasn't a fan of the first Blackadder. I did, Brian Blessed. Not a lot of people Brian are, which surprises me, yeah. The first one for me, and then Series 4, to be honest with you. Yeah, see, I like 2 and 3. And I think what happened is that I think Blackadder 1 got a lot of airtime. I don't think it... I think it kind of came and went. And and, and if you compare it to the others, it probably is the weakest. Yeah, but, I, I mean, I still like it. Last, yeah. Uh, because uh, I came to it quite late. Yeah, I think it needs a bit of a rediscovery. I mean, you know, Brian Blessed, like Paul says, is brilliant in that. Uh, Peter Cook is in there as well, and, and he's a diamond. Yeah, he's, he's really good in it, you know. Mm. So it does need a bit of love. But you're right, it is probably... The, if I had to pick a favourite, I don't know, it'd be... I think I like the second season. Paul likes them before. Yeah, I love all the stuff. Yeah. Come on, Fit. If, I, if my favourite part of the horror genre is Nazi zombies and there's wartime stuff, hello... Have you ever ventured into the Nazi zombie genre, Matt? Because Paul is obsessed with this. I am. I I wrote one. I wrote one Nazi story, and I got called a racist. Um, Because I mean, when I write horror, I put the characters through hell. So the characters, you know, the the two main characters is a black lady and a black man. Okay, and they come across a bunch of. neo-nazis so obviously they get fucked over and there's twists and things as to why they're being done like that and this this lady lynched me in a review saying she will not read any of my stuff again because uh, i clearly am a racist Uh, right so i actually went to one of my author friends uh raf james white who who's very um up on all of that kind of topic and i said do you think I've stepped too far with this. And he was like, no, no, she's just real sensitive. Um, so now I've just learned that it's just easier to kind of not write that. <laughs> it's weird, though, because, I mean, Iron Sky, if you've ever seen it, Nazis on the Moon. Yeah. Um, that has a, 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 a black astronaut who, by the end of the film, they've turned him white. Um, so, heaven forbid... <laughs> You know, all the reviews of that film. How much shit they got for that? Because, like I say, this this woman was not impressed because of what I put the characters. Yeah, but they they get they they put him through so much shit. They made a sequel. (laughs) (laughs) They made another one, and and them films didn't take themselves very seriously. In all fairness, because you've got like Adolf Hitler on the back of a T Rex going "Zeke Carl motherfucker," and it's just just perfect TV to me. I just I I'm. I say certain topics I'm a little bit more dubious about because I don't I don't care about writing them, but I don't want to purposely be offensive for that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I, see that. I don't yeah. mind them getting disgusted with gore and all that lot, but whenever it's real life issues, it's a little bit more fragile. I think the world has become more fragile. I think that's fair to say. Um, just on just on your career, on your acting credits, I'm going to ask this before we go back into horror because. Don't I am excited by the answer to this. Okay, well, I'm a massive fan of the Rise of the Foot Soldier films, and you were credited for Rise of the Foot Soldier Three, the Pat Tate story, which is basically the lead character just doing loads of drugs, beating people up, um, calling people a C U N T, clubbing, and doing drugs, and that's basically it, really. 
unfortunately, I didn't get to do any of that with him. But when he's in prison in that film, yeah, I'm sat right next to him. Oh, yeah. OK, uh-huh. so he's, he's actually in the film. So that's where if people are watching this, if they've watched them, that's where you're from. So slight link. But it's it, it, the Pat Tate story did so well. They made a bloody sequel, which was a prequel. Um, yeah. And now they're making another one as we speak. So there's, yeah, I think it's number five. The actress I've hired for um, my film Love Life, which we were supposed to shoot next year, but because of COVID, we don't think we are. She has actually just wrapped on Rise of the Foot Soldier. Um, so she's one of the main characters in it. Oh, but yeah, I mean, it was the first thing I ever did because I, I was at, again, Bristol Horror Convention. And the guy who plays the Nazi type character in Human Centipede 2. Oh, yeah. Um, Lee, I think his name is, but he runs a, an agency for extras. And he said, Hey, do you want to be in a film? I was like, Yeah, I don't give a shit. What? what? And he's like, Well, we're doing Rise of the Foot Soldier. Do you want to be a prisoner? I was like, Yeah. He went, You get paid about £100 a day. I was like, wow. You're right. That's so good I went to me. up and he went, Because you've not done this, Matt, you can go in first. And uh, <laughs> no one, I've never done it. They made me. Uh, walk in mid-scene into the the prison visit visitation room so my uh my screen wife is waiting for me and i walked in and i gave the the police officer dirty looks because i thought yeah i'm a hard criminal and i don't like this guy and then i i took my chair and i dragged it out from behind the table and they had to cut oh dear because i made noise (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, if you watch it, then I am for literally about five seconds sat next to him. And if you see me, you will see that I'm trying hard not to laugh because the lady that I was with, we just kept whispering rude things to each other to to make each other laugh. <laughs> nice behind the scenes snippet there. Nice little insight, yeah. It's well, amazing though that seriously. That, that film is really weird because Rise of Such Foot Soldier, the original, is very dark and based on a true story. The sequel was kind of whatever. Um, and then the Pat Tate story created its own trilogy of just mad nostalgia, birds, booze, drugs, Ibiza, just insanity. It's become so popular, those films. It's very yeah, strange. He, he proper gets into his character as well because he had, he had a Christian Bale meltdown. Oh, you're joking. Because someone's mobile phone was on and it kept picking up on the sound. And he went ape shit. And it was the director's fund. <laughs> Can I, I mean, with the utmost, I mean, anybody working in, in that industry, I mean, I, I have the utmost respect for them because I know it's, like you said earlier, it's really difficult to get into. And I, I know it can be hard work when you're when you're doing it. But let's be honest, this, you know, this isn't uh, Chariots of Fire or The Next Forest Gump or, <laughs> you know, Terminator or whatever. I mean, to have that kind of, you know, Meltdown. I'm not sure. Is that well? Maybe it's warranted. I, I I find it, was uh, he like method? Was he? I'm in the zone. I'm in the space. Yeah, you know. Yeah. You all I just find well, his lines were like, "So where are the drugs now, Colin?" I was just like, "Why?" You know, it's, it's what what they were asking of him that day wasn't particularly stressful, but he was already stressful from the dressing room side of things. Anyway, I'll be honest with you. Uh, having watched them films, I imagine because um, uh, it's Craig Fairbrass who was in. He was in the Stallone film Cliffhanger. I think that was his debut. He went from EastEnders to Cliffhanger. And I imagine him just walking on set and go, where's fucking drugs? Can I think he went cut? Cliffhanger to EastEnders, you know. Well, did he really? I'm oh, sure. Oh, yeah. 
Are you Honestly, telling me somebody started in a film with Stallone and then went to work? He beat the shit out of Stallone. He was in a main fight scene with Stallone. Stallone yeah, killed him. Yeah, because when I watched Cliffhanger years later, I was like, shit, it's him. That's Craig Fairbrass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A young Craig Fairbrass. Yeah, yeah. This always uh, makes me wrong, think but of... I'm sure he did it. EastEnders after. I'll have to look at that afterwards. This always makes me drugs, you can't give That's what it does. Excuse well, my language. I'll to, be, that. to be fair, I revisited the Blade trilogy recently because they're all on Prime. Uh, I just kind of hadn't owned them digitally, which surprised me because I'm trying to build up this digital collection. And Blade, of course, should be just in there. It's just not even discussing. Well, I do about Blade the one third two. one. Yeah, Blade the third one, one is basically a huge Apple advert and, and a bit of shit. Mm. Uh, but of course, Danny John, Danny John Jules, the cat from Red Dwarf, is in the second one. But I just thought he's gone from Blade to Red Dwarf, so I guess you can maybe go from Cliffhanger to EastEnders and any other crazy combination. For another series of Red Dwarf, because Blade Two was made after Red Dwarf series five, yeah. so there was oh, quite definitely a long in between. Gap. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it was, uh, um, the lead singer from Bros in Blade Two. Matt, is it Matt Gonson? Yeah, Luke, Luke I, I get confused who. I mean, and Luke's maybe the one who does all the Hollywood movies. Matt just sits around playing a guitar and reminiscing. Yeah, I, but I mean, fair play in, sure. in Blade Two, he was fantastic as the bad guy. He yeah. he he was good. It's just that, and Paul will testify this. We are both massive Red Dwarf fans. So of course, anytime he came on screen, I just thought of ah, ee, ooh, I Present just had him dancing Trinity, as the cat. So I couldn't watch it with a straight face. <laughs> I'm sure if I was in the cinema or in the states and I was watching it, people would be like, "What? What is he? Is, is he well? Do we not need to get him some kind of ambulance?" They'd be like, "Thinking I'm so mad." Chris Barry, though, every time I see him on anything, I just see Rimmer. See, for me, I see British Empire. Ah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I liked him as, as Rimmer, but. Because he was just such... He was good in British. I just wanted to punch his lights out in British Empire. <laughs> um, but that's what I see every time he's on something now. Yeah. Well, I've, I was fortunate to meet him at a local uh, convention where I am. And a great, great, awesome guy. Uh, he's, you know, you pay for your autographs, but for selfies, it was put money to battery dogs home, which I thought was pretty good. You know, that was, well, that's cool. that was a good way of winning up. Uh, but what I didn't know, and I would have done at the time, is that apparently he really loves talking about the British Empire because that's his thing, that's his vehicle. Oh, that's really? what, that's what he, he was trying to reboot it for a while. Yeah. Um, I mean, he I actually... talk about Red Dwarf, of course, and he gets a lot of the Red Dwarf cosplayers and the attention. And yeah. his, if you go to his table, it's like 90% of the stuff designed is Red Dwarf. Uh, but he does, uh, yeah, apparently, if you really want get to get on his good side, then... Uh, than uh, the British Empire. But I think, and I'm blowing my own trumpet, and I won't do it, I'll do it this one, that's it. I, I did, I think, manage to get a good reaction out of him because I got him to do a Rimmer 10 uh, by 8. And he said, oh, well, how will I, you know, do you want this dedicated or what do you want? And I, and I said, uh, can you put to Colin, uh, you are somebody who I consider to have m- met Red Dwarf, and then his name, which of course is one of his great lines from yeah, the yeah, show, yeah. Says, you know, where he's about to leave forever, and he says, "I consider you to be people that I've met," <laughs> and then just <laughs> then heads off to uh, his new life, which of course doesn't work out as it never does for him, which is why it's so great. Yeah, that yeah. that man's influenced us way too much. Well, when I left one of my previous employers, 
my leaving email was um i would just like to say over the years i've come to regard you as people i've met <laughs> that was my leaving the company email. At least you didn't just put, I think you're all a bunch of smegheads. Yeah, I know. But one person got it. One person's like, Rimmer, liked it. Everyone else was like, oh, it's a bit, it's a bit, look at him. They didn't like me. I was like, yeah, I don't care. I'm leaving anyway. But You know what? Um, just got off the topic a bit. Uh, what he's doing at the conventions with Battersea Dogs Home is, you know, I, I absolutely loved that. I met one actor um, who was charging, he was off a TV show called Prime Evil. Oh, I think I know it. Yeah, and he was charging like twenty-five pounds for a picture, and I'm just just chatting with him before the conventions properly started. And this little six-year-old girl comes up by herself, and she's like, "I'm a really big fan." You know, she, you could see it took a lot for her to come up. She's like, "Can I have a picture?" He was like, "No, they're twenty-five pounds." Oh no! Oh no! Oh, asshole. That is Rimmer cringeworthy. That is... The cool thing about this guy is um, he was actually my friend on Facebook up until about a month ago when I've said to... I put a status up on Facebook saying, look, if you're an actor and you can't follow the simple rules, like if I'm doing a cast call, I need you to get in touch via this means. And if you go round that and try and get in touch with me, then I'm just going to ignore it. Because yeah. I, I keep everything in the same place. Yeah. And um, he sent me a private message going, uh, how fucking dare you talk to people like that? Where do you live? I'm going to come. And I was like, all right, this Ooh. is where I live. And um, <laughs> I sent it, all, all of the messages he sent, because he's getting more and more abusive. I sent them all to his agent. I was like, you might want to have a word with this lad. Nice. Well, I'm going to take some consolation, because my only knowledge of uh, Primeval is that... Uh, I do a lot of my digital uh, shopping on iTunes, building up a collection. And quite often they say, here's a bunch of sci-fi series for under two ninety nine, And it's basically mostly prime evil. So yeah. I'm guessing it's maybe not that great, but I don't know. I've not seen it. So oh, uh, it's, it's going back years. That show it must be like 95, 96, I think. Well, I was going to ask um, you because we are, I think of all similar age groups uh and we all yeah old uh so i think born in the early 80s uh so i was gonna ask how did you discover hobbit was it through the good stuff of the 80s or did you discover it later or did you regress back into older stuff where do you have to say i kind of moved away from horror like i was born 1980 the first horror film i put on was a nightmare on elm street and i Mm -hmm. turned it off because Ooh. it scared the shit out yeah. of me. me too. I was about eight years old, and he was going, Nancy. And she's walking up to the window, and things were hitting the window. And I was like, nope, nope, off. And then it took two more years before my mum and dad went out again. And I snuck <laughs> the VHS um, back downstairs, and I put it on, and I, I made myself watch it. And I was like, it's pretty scary still, but I got through it, and I, I enjoyed it. And... Um, from there, I just sort of started picking up all of the films that I wasn't allowed to watch. Like, I'd watch them with friends, like The Evil Dead. Um, got hold of Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, it's great now because, uh, you know, I mean, I'm just turned 40 and I'm doing the same with my niece. I'm making her watch oh, cool. all the classics. Literally, yesterday we watched um, The Thing, the John Carpenter one. Oh, awesome. Love it. Yeah. That's and good um, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And how old is your niece? 13. Oh, okay, yeah. 
That's old enough, I reckon. Yeah, no, I, I think I, so, yeah. I think you're going to say like five or something. Um, I want to show The Exorcist, but I'm, I, I'm not happy about that scene with the crucifix. Yeah, that's one uh, fucked up film. For yeah. a 13-year-old, I think that's a bit too... It's too much. It'll mess. It'll give them nightmares for weeks. This is yeah. the trouble. Oh, I don't care about the nightmares. It's the sexual side of things with the crucifix. Yeah, it's like, yeah. fuck me, Jesus. A 13-year-old doesn't need to see that. No. That's, yeah, I would yeah, say that. Yeah, they probably see it at school. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Today on biology. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, yeah that's probably teaching, a, yeah, slightly ranges. a step too far. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I've got a similar version of events to you, really. Uh, I was born in 77, so slightly older, but yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, Me and my sister had access to a video store. Let's just say he didn't really care about the certification of the films, as as they did in the early 80s, and that was, you know, to me, not necessarily a bad thing, but that's a whole other debate. Uh, I just had, and it probably didn't play out this way, because of course we all end up, you know, the memories like merge and they meld and they change. But as I understand the story, I was with my sister and I wanted The Running Man, because big Arnie fan. Great film. Action, yeah. great film. She wanted scary horror, whatever. Uh and so Nightmare on the Street. And I capitulated for whatever reason, gave in. So we had a Nightmare on Elm Street. It was that my nan's house, of course, didn't even understand about VHS tapes, let alone what we were watching and how it was affecting us. Because she was happy that we weren't bothering her. And yet I didn't sleep for a week. Whatever we watched of it, how much of it, I can't remember. I didn't sleep for a week. I really was absolutely shit scared. Uh, my parents didn't even know why. I just had to deal with that. And then uh, when I revisited it a few years ago, a few years later, yeah, it's brilliant. A basic film. And I did get to watch The Running Man. So that was at least some consolation. Uh, Do you know what's great about uh, Nightmare is February this year, I flew to America to film Nightmare on Elm Street um, with Mick Strawn, who was the production designer oh, for cool. Nightmare on Street 3 and 4. Um, so I wrote the script and I was in the film and I was just watching this guy who, you know, he's done two of the films and Freddy's Nightmares. I was just watching him figure out how to do all of the... Um, I think he called them gags, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, just the little tricks that, that Freddy's come in kind of thing. Oh. And just watching him work was so fascinating. It would be. That actually leads well into an, another question I had. Uh, and again, I mean, I've sort of angered it towards horror, but it can obviously cover all, all manner of genres and areas. Uh, creators that have influenced you the most and why? Who's, who out there has actually made you influential work? Oh, this is going to sound so weird. Uh, Wes Craven, uh, Toby Hooper, and Roald Dahl. Okay. Roald Dahl, yeah. I'll tell you yeah. know what, I, I, I never thought I'd hear it, but um, when you read his books as an adult, you think there's a sick puppy in there. He was you, kind of dark, yeah. His kid stuff, they're dark, but if you read his adult stuff, it's also fucked up. Like um, he did Tales of the Unexpected. Yes. And I love these shows because they're all they're all stupid little stories. But suddenly with an ending, which just completely smacks you, blindsides you. Yes. I have a memory of one and it's vague. So I may be off kilter here, but I just remember, I think a woman killed her husband with a frozen leg of lamb. Yes. Like bashed him around the head with it. That's special features of Psycho. Oh, is it really? Yep. And, and then at the end, because the the 
police were in a house, and we, I guess, you, you know, speaking to whatever. But I remember they're eating the leg of lamb, going, I wonder what the murder weapon could have been. I wonder yes, what they would have used to bludgeon it. This is just going to go to waste. <laughs> yeah, she and then she's feeding them the murder weapon. I thought, brilliant. That is just excellent. He did, um, I can't remember the, na- the name of it, um, but there's a, a really rich guy. He's got loads of ornaments in his garden. And his wife is showing off with um, the the man that she's seeing behind her husband's back. And she puts her head through one of the, the ornaments and then gets stuck. And it ends with um, the, the guy going, right, well, I'll go and get my chainsaw then. And she's like, you can't cut your ornament. He went, no, I can't cut the ornament. And that's why I cut off there. And I was like, yes. Brilliant. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so Roald Dahl, he's... He's like my biggest idol, um, that guy. I, I loved his. Well, I've got a tattoo of him on my arm. Oh, cool! Wow. Yeah, that's. I'd like to see a, a Hollywood studio actually re-envision most of his work, and and but but don't just do one or two. Do all of his work with big budgets and see how much um, well, they can envision stuff. That's probably not going to happen because did you see the the witches remake? I haven't. No, I haven't. No, I'm not paying fifteen ninety nine to rent the frigging thing. That's the Anne Hathaway version. Oh, it didn't go down well, did it? Yes, that's how much I pay to rent it. <laughs> and what was um, your view? It was dog shit. <laughs> Absolutely. You've heard it here first. The witches remake is dog shit. Yes. You know what I have a problem with? I have a problem with people changing the way characters are written um so you know if they're you've got this character that's that's born in this area raised like this does that but then for the remake they decide to make the character this and they're born there kind of thing and i had the argument with the casting director for my film monster because i'd i'd cast the man and the woman the husband and wife and i had um tracy shaw from coronation street and rod glenn and he's like, I've got this guy to play the monster. And he's, he's sending me these images. And I'm like, but the monster's the son of these two characters. That's, you know, you can't have a person that is, you know, different uh, colour to the two leads. It, it, it won't work. And he went, well, yeah, but you have to. You need diversity in there. And I'm like, well, we can do that with another character if we must, but it's not written like that. I was like, why are you trying to change it? Yeah, and I know we're trying to make things more diverse as we move forward and everything, and I don't have a problem with that. But if a character is actually written in one way, mm-hmm. I think it should be left, and we just create a new character. Um, so you know, I couldn't disagree with you more. Remake. Yeah, no, they didn't. Yeah, you know, don't remake the witches. Make a new story. Yeah, based on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I I get fed up with um you going to watch a film and you just think to yourself. Hmm, I think maybe diversity inclusivity is, has struck again because I don't yeah. think this period piece is quite historically yeah. factual. Just I don't believe it. Hmm. Oh, just yeah. Speak, yeah. speaking of remakes, so if you two like horror, this this I, I'm hoping that this is going to piss you off as much as it pissed me off. <laughs> oh, Scrooged is getting remade. No, I know. Do you know what? I saw that on your Twitter and I have a question. I cuz I cuz my reaction was the same as yours. Why? And I, I, thought, wow. I love Kevin Hart. He's funny, yeah. but yeah. leave Scrooge. Oh, no, 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 no. I I basically said I completely agree with your position on Scrooge, which is yeah, I love that film. I love Bill Murray. Leave it alone. The ghosts are great, you know, he's yeah, good. Everything about it was. Yeah. So I was going to ask, what is your favourite Christmas movie? 
Oh, God. Um, I'm not going to do my reputation here any good. I like the Muppet Christmas Carol. Yay! I like, I really, I like that. I like that. I really like it. That's the Michael Caine one, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've probably seen it more than twenty times. I absolutely love it. I will watch that every year, and I will watch Scrooged every year. That's a very controversial one. That my is mum took me out of the school because she said I had dentist, and she took me to the early showing of Scrooged instead. Great. Sound like you, nice. you, you couldn't do that now. You'd have to like fill out about eight forms yeah. just, uh, and then still get a know. fine. Yeah, and still get a fine. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just I quickly what you wanted you wanted to drop back quickly to Roald Dahl. Uh, what I don't like, and I appreciate the market is so much more bigger. They have to kind of placate to it. But when they uh, Americanize all the stuff, yes. I, I just I we got Disney Plus here uh, for The Mandalorian. Ooh. No. Uh, but of course, there's all sorts of stuff on it, and uh, Matilda was there, and you know Danny DeVito's done well because it's it's kind of a vehicle. he's written it, directed it. Blah, blah, blah. But I thought, why don't you just set it where it was set? Why do we have to go to America and Americanize it and all these other well, things? That's what they've just, done with the new witches. It's you know. set in um, Haiti, I think. I think that's how you say it. But you know, you're just like, well, no, it's not. It's not set there. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's because they're trying to appeal to the bigger audience. Of course they, they are, and they I can totally understand why these England. things have to make money. Yeah, yeah. I don't. They just don't think England's going to have the audience. The trouble is, is if you let the movie stew, I don't know why, but movie executives, if you left it to them, they would base a remake of Milan in Basingstoke. Yeah. Um, that's how dumb some of these fucking idiots are. And you've only got to look at Zack Snyder's um, work to realise how, when he went off because of his family issues. They fucked his film right down Justice League down the toilet, but yet you watch his then director cuts and they're master they're brilliant, they're absolutely superb. But just well, going back to what you were saying, Muppet's Christmas Carol, I love it and for the wrong reasons, because it was the film that taught me to go like that. Beaker, <laughs> my favourite character when he turned around and he goes <laughs> and he and he basically tells him to swivel. This is a children's iconic character swearing. And I was like, hmm, what's that for? Why would you do that? And then my brother said, Yeah, it's off. And you wouldn't expect it from him. If anyone's going to do that, it would be Animal. Yeah, Animal. Was, that's an iconic part of the film. But Scrooge, if they're remaking it, um, I'm sorry, if it doesn't have Danny Elfman scoring it, it's going to be completely shit. And the only reason I say that is because sometimes scores can enhance a really shitty film. Um, yeah, and, okay. and Danny Elfman's score for Scrooge is the definitive, if you're a horror fan at Christmas, that's what you play. Because yeah, it's I just... just Dark, I just think the film is absolute perfect, you know, um, and the more I read about it over the years, because I read Bill Murray's book and you, you learn that a lot of it was just ad lib and stuff. You Not see, surprised. Why, why, why change it? Why fuck with I it? Guess, I mean, yeah. I say Kevin Hart, I love his stuff, but I think this is a really bad career move. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course it's not. He's still going to get millions for it, regardless. Oh, is that? Yeah. So I, just with the Muppets in one, I read, on, I read this on the internet, so of course it has to be true, because it's on the internet. Uh, you may be in possession of a life-size Gonzo, is this correct? Yes, he's looking at me right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to get um, all of them, because you've got uh, Fozzie, Gonzo, Kermit, and Animal they did, but Animal, and when these things came out, I mean, you know, they are like proper size when they came out they were 300 pounds wow and now animal is close to 2000 and i'm like 
it's great, but I can't justify that. <laughs> well, even if I could justify it, I don't have the fucking money to do it. So this I never this completely passed me by. Was was this did these come out in shops? How did you how were you able to get hold of these things? I had no idea. I just saw it online. Um it's by a company called Master Replica. Because um then NECA bought out uh life size ETs. Oh wow. I was like, well, obviously, I need a life-size. Of course, you do. But you could get Chucky dolls as well, couldn't you? There was a limited run of life-size Chucky dolls, and yeah, I had it, but because I I needed to fund a film, I ended up selling a lot. Yeah, they were worth a lot of money. Yeah, so now all I've got uh, is is the the Gonzo, which I just won't sell because I I I hunted high and low for him, and um, ET in a dress. Can I could not possess desperate for the Slimer. Oh Oh, yeah, tell me about. I'd love one of them. That's Can I just give you some breaking news? Um, just on a website called Cinema Blend, the breaking news is Kevin Hart is working on a Scrooge sequel, um, Scrooge remake, and no one understands why. <laughs> what a headline! What a headline! No well done, Cinema why. Blend. Do you think even he would see this backlash and go, you know what? This isn't for me. He can't yeah. be that desperate. Yeah, but the trouble is, is look at Jumanji. When when Jumanji, they decided on a sequel, everyone said, heresy, don't touch Rob, Robin Williams' legacy. Um, and it became very popular. And then they did a third one, and that was just rubbish again. And now they're making a fourth one. The, so trying to make up for it. I don't mind the Jumanji as much because they did take it in a different kind of direction. They did. Yeah, they did. So they got away with it. And The Rock and Kevin Hart work quite well together. Yeah. But if they just remake Scrooge and keep the same formula, which technically they have to because it's a Christmas Carol. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's um, the most strange film they in all that, of movies. Yeah, if they keep that formula, it's just not going to work. And, you know, you can't have a lot. There's, there's quite a lot of sexist stuff in that with Bill Murray, the way he talks down to the women and things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's great yeah. because you see him change by the end. And they want the scantily, he wants the scantily clad kind of dancers for the Christmas yeah. show, doesn't he? Which, of course, yeah, but not... Uh, not go down the well. antlers on the little mic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You won't get away with that today. <laughs> yeah, you maybe you should. Oh, maybe I think you're Kevin missing Hart's something. Kevin Hart's character is going to be a snowflake and just go to a super snowflake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no. Die Hard for me. Christmas film. Christmas Eve. Die Hard. Yeah. That's uh, that's generally so my Die Hard too. Oh, for to. me, they're both Christmas films. Oh, they yeah. are both Christmas films. Yeah. I know you're going to shoot yeah. me for this one, but I can't watch them anymore. I think I have finally seen them that many times. Times, yeah. Where I, mean, I just cannot face them. And you saw that? I don't know. Is that? I'm. Why you've worried me now that that's possible? Well, I saw them three times at the cinema, <laughs> and so, now I'm just like uh, it's the same with Pulp Fiction. Because I, I missed it at the cinema when it first came out because I was too young. Yeah. And then they re-released it to the cinema. I was like, well, of course I have to go and watch cool. that. Yeah. Now I've seen it on the big screen. I can't sit down and watch it again. So it here's actually, one. Go on. Sorry, I was going to say, here's one for you. Because I, I spotted a couple of bits and pieces that you'd done or that you certainly were selling. Uh, Jaws. You seem to have a, some alternate takes on that with some artwork and stuff. Is that one of your faves? Jaws is absolutely fantastic. Um, I have... My my favourite ever film changes between two films, and it's Jaws and Psycho. Okay, cool, yeah. No, and I've... they're both constantly like that. I, that and is. what's great is, I because I don't really read books, I know it sounds crazy, um, given I write them, but I don't really read them. 
and I took the Jaws book um, on holiday with me and I'm sat on a beach in Mexico reading this book and I didn't want to get in the water. <laughs> <laughs> I love the book. There's so much in the book that isn't in the film as well. It's Yeah, crazy. I love the film. And then when I read the book, I was like, holy shit, this is better than the film. Spoiler yeah, alert, Bodhi and Richard Dreyfuss' character have an affair, which is like, wow, how does that even get in there, you know? And spoiler, it's got the mafia in it. And a spoiler, yes, because of all the mayor's dodgy property details, which is why he's yeah. so mad to keep everything open. Yes. I, I, I found a copy of Jaws I really want to buy, but I, I again, it's uh, I can't afford it. Um, I found one for £400, and it's signed by Peter Benchley, and he's done the, the Jaws picture in there. Oh, so cool. They're, they're worth a lot. And unfortunately, by the time I messaged the guy, because I thought 400 that's a sound investment because it's only going to go up. Um, I messaged the guy and he went, it's sold. And then all the other ones were already kind of double that price. Oh. And I was just like, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> I'd love a signed copy, though, if anyone's watching, you know, if you're feeling generous. <laughs> feeling generous. Yeah, this is it. You've got, well, it's, it's, my, it's one of my all-time favourites. Uh, yeah, I remember seeing it as a kid and it didn't scare me, which I don't know if that's old, if that's me being weird. Only one bit scared me. Uh, Ben's scene, the fisherman, Ben, what's his name in the film? Should know these I things. I can't remember the head in the... The head, yeah. The Hanscom boy. Where, uh, his name is. No, Kitna. Ben Hanscom Kitna. is it. The Kitna one, isn't that's it? That's the Kitna. kid. Although yeah. I tell you what, I've just discovered, and I don't know if it's because we've moved through, obviously, we've moved through DVD, then Blu-ray, then, then 4K, and each time the film's come out remastered the alex kittner death scene it re- gets me more now than it is really graphic i really think you know considering it it's a kid being torn apart by a shark for starters i mean that already mm-hmm. it, as a concept is pretty fierce it's actually <laughs> yeah. you know there's a blood explosion and then you know you see the 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 shark break the water and with the kid it's i'm like wow i don't remember being that quite fierce i love it because that, oh, that kid just annoyed me <laughs> you know, and then the mum annoys me uh, the way she just stood at the, the side of the water looking I used to think to myself that woman looks 60 how the hell has she got a young child she only recently she passed 60, away yeah. you know she only passed away last year she's about 98 or something I say, what was she 400 yeah. <laughs> it's, it's weird to say that because for me Jaws m- m- fucked me up basically I can't swim in the ocean because of it and the worst thing is is a friend of mine was in Mexico a couple of years ago and he went on one of those cruise things where you stop and you can jump off and swim. Yeah. And everybody jumped off one side of the boat. He jumped off the other and he jumped off of his side of the boat and landed on the back of, uh, I think it's a tiger shark or something. Oh, wow. Literally straddled a shark as he dropped in the water. <laughs> and basically, he, his words to me it? was, I used the back of this shaft to springboard back onto the side of the boat <laughs> and will never, ever go in the ocean again because that's God telling me, get the hell out of there. It's not your home. That would have killed him. he told me that, I was just like, I ain't ever going in the water again. See, it's weird because I love to see where I went to Antigua and you can walk for miles and it never gets past your waist and you can see your feet on the, the seabed. But then you get to little patches where it's like black water. Mm, and yeah. you know it's still shallow there, but I'm like, nope, nope, not going there. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. same. I mean, I'm a, yeah, I mean, I'm a city boy, so I've never had much experience. But when I have, I'm just like, 
Nah, it doesn't Steel seem. Steelberg's like... ruined beach holidays for us. We should sue him. <laughs> yeah. so I have, I have a bigger problem, and that is every time I ever go in the ocean, every fish in the ocean decides to come near me and nibble at me. Um, maybe it's because I, I'm a trained electrician. I don't know. Maybe there's an electromagnetic issue with me. But every time I go to like an aquarium, if I go near a tank, all the fish come near me. And every time I go in the ocean, all the fish come near me. And it's something my missus finds hysterical and it really annoys me. Maybe you're like a sort of you've got buried Aquaman genes in there. No, no, no. It's there's something there's something weird. But I'm just like, do you know what? If I get in the ocean in any form and the fish are coming towards me, it's because they're telling me to F off. So I'm, I'm not going to no, 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 Next no, no, time no, I go on you. holiday, I'll take you. You just sit on the edge of the pool. That's <laughs> yeah. big bait. Let them go to you, and I'll go and have a nice swim. And then when I'm done, you can come out. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You, I'll just be bait. You could be a beast on Jason Momoa here. I'm, I'm seeing there's there's a bit of a there's, <laughs> yes. there's, there's a bit of a vibe there. Fat Aquaman. <laughs> well, if they get rid of Amber Heard and Jason Momoa, they can get you. There you yeah. go. We could do the Cockney version of it, yeah, the North London version. So if anybody for Marvel is listening, which of course they're not, but let's just... I'm available to resign my job and receive many of millions of the Queen's pounds to do a really shit turn as Aquaman. Yeah. Fair. It would be much worse than Momoa. I'll go as Amber Heard's character then. Fuck it, I've got no pride. (laughs) (laughs) Pay me enough for anything. I'm already growing my hair for a a film role, so I'll just keep growing it and then dye it red. Great. (laughs) And if you can get into a skin tight green scaly suit, yes, that's it. As long as I don't mind a bit of a bit of a tummy, yeah, I can. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a question I ask of everyone who comes on this podcast. And it's a deep taxing and probing question. Um, so actually it's not. It's really simple. Um, it's the three wishes question. And that is if you had three wishes for anything in your life, uh, your work, your publications, the movies, um, what would they be? I think I would just like to have made enough of a name for myself that I can retire with my wife. And that's it. That's all I need. There you go. Okay, sum that up in one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> once once you've done that, so you've you that means that you're generating enough income, which means, you know, because it's obviously film and book, it's gonna be a lot of money, which means therefore I'm gonna be set for life, which means then I can move abroad and I can do everything I want. Do you think um, though if you've if you came across that project that really did just stratosphere you into the a-list or whatever you want to call it and you were making your millions and hollywood was knocking at your door would you just stop do you think you could just stop or would you not think right now we can get some work done i think not that you're not working already but you know i probably turn to hard drugs squander (laughs) the money do a complete nicholas cage and then be back at the start um picking up any old shit job just to bring some money in um no i i would never stop working but i would slow right down because I did a, a documentary um, that's supposedly going on Netflix at some point, uh, and they were asking about all of the creative process and things, and they ask you, what's your biggest regret in life? And the author, Neil Gaiman, was interviewed before me, mm. and the producer told me his answer, and his answer was his biggest regret is he doesn't stop. So he has a, some success with you know a new book, he doesn't stop to enjoy it. He's straight away working. And I was like, actually, you know what? That is pretty much how it goes. You know, I've, I finished um, one film uh, straight after lockdown, the, the stupid one, They Came. Um, 
watched uh, finished that straight away i'm filming in january meanwhile i'm writing all the books i'm doing the university course i just don't stop do you know what i if you don't mind me chipping here colin i have suffered from that i'm 42 i was born in 78 and i have spent my entire working career never stopping and um, recently i've lost a few people who i genuinely cared for and you, you kind of get to that age where you don't really see many people dying and it made me realize that i never stopped i i, I do my day job i was doing a podcast a different one from this um youtube stuff volunteering never ever stopping literally four or five hours a night sleep that's it and then yeah. when people around you start dying you go what the fuck am i doing what am i doing and I've, right. I've now started to take a massive step back and taking those moments to pause. I, I'm, I'm having, you know, I'm not, I'm certainly not going to sit here and complain about life because I'm having, you know, I'm doing the jobs that I always wanted to do. Yeah. So, you know, I'm incredibly cool. grateful for that. But I have now, I like, I've bought three musical instruments that I have no idea how to play. Um, <laughs> I have a room next door with uh, four arcade machines in there. Um, I've got like the the xbox to playstation set all that up just Amen. so i can stop try and learn an instrument play some old arcade games whatever just get away from it because yeah. i think it's important to, to be able to do that yeah, so i've got one thing and i think this is going to fall completely flat on its face because of technology but i'll go for it anyway and it was an early a brief earlier reference i've got you pictured here now what you can't quite make out because of course i know this happened that is you with nick cage N nicholas cage i can I tell thought, by wow. his shirt <laughs> <laughs> is that the real nicholas cage or is that a waxwork nicholas cage that has madame two swords i was gonna say that, that looks, looks like, like a waxwork. That, okay. yes but i thought how odd to find you uh pictured there with who i recently watched in the color out of space and i don't know if you've Great seen film. that great film amazing I've seen that yet someone yeah. watch list alex you watch it Fantastic yeah film. it's like the thing but the thing is like a ethereal smoky kind of color it's like which... the thing on lsd lsd and okay. nick cage Makes is his usual mental self who just goes crazy well and... he's banging them out like anything isn't yeah. he? he's just giving the money let me bang out the movie and just keep trying to pay that tax bill off because he decided to buy a Batmobile and everything else that he spunked his money on and didn't pay tax on. So is he a favourite of yours, Matt? Old girl, Nick Cage? Um, I I like how insane the guy is. Yeah. Um, I've got a lot of time for people like that because he's doing his thing. I mean, you know, when I was growing up, his films used to be fucking incredible, you know, yeah. face off. Conan, the, the rock. rock, yeah, rock, yeah. Um, but now, iconic movies. Kind of since Drive Angry and Ghost Rider Two, it's like he is broke. <laughs> yeah. says he is. Hey, Nick, Nick Cage is broke. Yeah, I've got an idea. He's like, yeah, whatever. You know. Yeah. Number th three on my film list is uh, Leaving Las Vegas, and Nicolas Cage is fantastic in that. He is, yeah, yeah. It's like well, we're well, kick ass. I think yeah. he's really good in that. Oh, yeah, especially uh, on the fire scene. Yeah. Yeah. He's just shouting. Like, he can't girl. act. I was like, you need to watch Leaving Las Vegas. And then yeah. we'll have that yeah. yeah, he is brilliant in it. He's excellent. I think he won a best actor for that. He as won well. the Oscar. He did, yeah. 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 He won the Oscar. It's a powerful movie. Yeah. Very but definitely, great. Paul, and anyone else out there, check out The Colour Out of Space. It is uh, absolutely 
mind-numbingly bonkers. It's, I might show my niece that one, actually. I, I think, think you could manage the that. Body, yeah. The body horror, without giving anything away in it, is pretty horrific. It is and pretty I think, horrific. I you'll get a kick out of that. And, yeah, I mean, I don't want to give anything away, but uh, one of the affected parties of the body horror, I thought, wow, that's harsh, because, you yeah. know, you're a little kid. You know, it's a great film, it is a great film, and I was pleased. I mean, I'm this, I hope this hasn't come across too condescending, but it's because I hadn't, I'd only recently watched uh Richard Stanley's absolutely horrific experience of trying to get the island of Dr. Moreau made, which wasn't recent, I mean, that was back in the 90s or or even, yeah. And he was just, he was just completely shafted, and to you know, to cast uh. Nick uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, why can't I think of the Godfather? All of a sudden, Arlen Brando Brando. in the same film and have all that madness go on. So, I mean, it's been a long time, and I'm I'm obviously uh, not involved in his career at all. But I was glad to see him working, making films, making what he wants to make uh, with the likes of Nicolas Cage, and it's really good. It was a really good film. So, definitely, I, 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 I. struggle to get hold of hardware and some of his early stuff and i need to try and try See, and get hold of that i wasn't a fan of those ones but i think it may have been when i watched them i was like 11 years old so yeah. maybe if i watched them now i'd appreciate them more um you know maybe it was i was just too young to really get it and i think that can happen them. yeah i think there were films i've watched when i was like young and then you think you know they're rubbish and then when you revisit them, you're like actually that's a really good Maybe you just don't get it, you know, when you're a bit younger. Yeah. Mm. I was just, I'm sorry, my laptop went into screensaver mode. I was just going to ask about some future stuff you've got going on. IMDb, which of course we've learned through these podcasts, isn't necessarily Mm -hmm. the bastion of accuracy, but does tend to help us out quite a lot. And you're on three three products in pre-production. Is there anything you can let Uh, us know about that and tell us what we can expect soon? Yeah, in January, I am filming Box, which is going to be a horrific experience for me. Oh. Because uh, I wrote it with a guy. It's based on my book, but the screenplay is completely different. So I, I wrote a screenplay based on my book. Then another writer called Ian Armour came on board and he tweaked it. Then I tweaked it again. And then Justin Park, who helped me with They Came and um, Monster and Next Door, he threw some ideas that I wrote down. So it's, it's com- completely different beast now. But in a nutshell, a guy is on death row at the start of the film and he has the lethal injection, but he wakes up in a box that's five foot tall and four foot wide. And I'm six foot two. <laughs> so for the whole film, I will literally be standing like that because oh, I can't. No. And then when I lay down, I obviously can't lay down either. No. Um, and there's no way out of the box. So, you know, you're pissing and shitting in there and there's a guy on the outside of the box who's taunting you and torturing you. Oh, interesting. Um, wow. So it's going to be a really horrible shoot, that one. <laughs> <laughs> but we are booked to shoot that on the 15th and there is only four of us involved in the whole production. Oh, wow. That's real. real stuff. Well, as Paul alluded to earlier, I am a bit Hobbit-esque. So if you need a sub 
six foot stunt double, you know, I'm really cheap. Yeah, so I'll just do the close ups, so just on my face, so I don't have to get in the box. Any from behind shots, you know, you can have me there. Any (laughs) shots from behind. Um, Yeah, then uh, in March, I'm hoping to film something that's not on IMDb yet called The Call. Okay. uh, Which it's it's one actress in one location. So she's in, she goes into an apartment where she's there to have sex with the guy she's cheating on, basically. Um, so, you know, she's, she's married, but she's having sex with this other guy. He doesn't show up, but um, the house phone goes and it's a man that knows all about the affair, everything about her, and basically starts playing mind games with her. Oh. Um, and the reason we're doing these two films now, um, pretty much back to back, is because of Corona. Yeah. You know, again, there's going to be four people making the call. Mm. And even in, like, what is it? We can't meet uh, six people at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So even if they lower that, we can still film. Um, and where it's one person in a box, it's socially distanced. <laughs> that's, that's what, yeah, you've got no problems there. Mm. Yeah. And obviously, when we're doing the apartment, we can stay socially distanced from everyone as well because we can just spread out in a room. Mm. Um, but I'm supposed to be filming Love Life in January. And again, I I was filming it. It's a cross between Psycho and Leaving Las Vegas, um, based on a book that I wrote that went to number one. And I have got the production designer for Nightmare on Elm Street flying in to help with it. Oh, cool. Um, but of course, he can't fly in. No. Oh, yeah. Because we're shut. My assistant director, she's in America. She can't fly in. My actress is in Sweden. She can't fly in. Oh. So I, I'm... I'm I haven't told them. I've, I've told them obviously we're not filming in January, but I haven't told them when I'm planning to. I'm planning now to shoot that in 2022 because I don't think we're going to be back to normal next year. I, no, I don't think so. Certainly well, not. We're, first we're scheduled to fly to America in June. Uh, yeah. It was supposed to be now for yeah. a convention or a convention. So and if June, that gets put off, yeah. I'll be incredibly annoyed. So, so yeah, it I was turned so... forty in September. I was supposed to be in Africa looking after elephants for two weeks. Oh, awesome. cool. obviously that didn't happen. It's been put no. back now until April. Yeah, but I don't think I'll be going in April. We're yeah, big, uh, we're big uh, Romero zombie nuts, uh, yeah. and they hold a convention uh, basically in honor of all his work in the mall where they film Dawn of the Dead. Oh, nice. Sorry if you know all this. I don't know. Just for no, the benefit of people listening. The legacy of his work, yeah. So they hold that every year. I was lucky enough with a bunch of people to go in 2019. 2019? Yeah, yeah. 2019 was okay. Uh, so we all decided, well, a lesser group and some newbies wanted to go this year. And it was going to be in June again. Of course, got canned. Then they wanted to do it in November. Now, officially got canned, but they did hold a different kind of event where it was more just the vendor stalls and it was outside. Yeah. Which I thought, November and outside, is that going to work? But it seems that it kind of... I, th- I think they did have some space in the mall, but hugely reduced because of the social distancing and everything else, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the uh, Americans' general disdain for wearing masks, which isn't helping at all. And that's not all Americans, and I do apologize to the ones listening that do follow all the rules because i know there are some that do listen and are very sensible but unfortunately there is a huge mass that isn't and that's i'll say this because i don't give a fuck you know? <laughs> hopefully now now they've got someone that's not a nut job running the yes. office hopefully 
um, America will start to get itself on its feet again because yeah. they they've they've had their struggles. They have, um, yeah. Because I I go to America quite a lot for conventions and, and and signings and things, and I've just watched things progressively get not as friendly to to outsiders such as myself. Really? Um, oh wow! And it's 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 horrible to to see it decline like that. Um, so I'm hoping now we, they're going to turn a corner and, you know, not only are they going to get on top of the, the Corona thing, um, but the nicer Americans are going to start to feel good enough to stand up and go, no, you will not do this. We will protect ourselves, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I actually um, met George Romero. Oh, he awesome. Did, um, he did London Film and Comic Con. He did, uh, yes. A few years back. And he thanked me for going to go and see him. I was like, are you Brilliant. joking? I'm like, thank you for everything you've done for horror. Um, you know, such a modest man. And then I was supposed to be doing a convention with him uh, where I was going to be a guest, which meant, because um, in America, if you're a guest, they give you a handler. Yes. And the handler that I, uh, that I have uh, for Crypticon, her name's Gwen. Uh, she would say, is there anyone you want to meet? And she would purposely make it so I had just one-on-one time with them. And nice. George Romero was supposed to go, but as it turned out, he had like pneumonia at the time, so cancelled. Um, and, and obviously, months later, we learned it's a bit more severe. Yeah. Mm. We'll, uh, we'll have, yeah, what a lovely guy. We'll have to talk a little bit offline. Uh, I've, I've got a little, a little project going on where I'm trying to collect a lot of memories and stories of uh, UK fans and their experiences. It'd be awesome if you could. Uh, if you could contribute uh, yeah just, just half a page yeah. or a page um, cool. but yeah so loads of possibilities there for stories for you brilliant well I, we probably want to start wrapping it up but i couldn't go mm-hmm. without at least saying uh that you were obviously uh good enough to uh, let me see uh <laughs> they came from the sky i saw them which i yeah. i actually really liked i thought it was a lot of fun uh i do have to watch it again probably to fully appreciate it but i just wanted if if you can talk about a little bit about that project and just i uh, i had some insights (laughs) i had a few drinks and i had to go around my uh my brother-in-law's house (laughs) and so it's it's always better if i have a few drinks before i go see the family (laughs) and he was there and i just said hey you know what i really want to do a sci-fi film but i want to take the piss um because i'm a big fan of the films of uh, ed wood Oh and yeah, Plan Nine and that. Plan Nine from Outer Space. Yeah, and uh, I was like, you know, we could do this, this, and this, and it would be great. And um, I went home thinking nothing else of it, and I had a good evening with him, just laughing about it. Next thing I know, he's actually made UFOs and done <laughs> test footage for it. <laughs> oh shit! So this is happening then. So I was like, okay, so we need a story, but it can't be a good story. It's got to be a bad one. So I got in touch with Justin and I said, I need you to write me a script or rather an outline for a script, but you're only allowed 20 minutes. So that's your thinking time and your writing time. <laughs> oh, 20 minutes one. to like write it. I thought you meant 20 no, minutes just, as just the, just the, the story. So think it, do the outline and then send it to me. Then I would write the script. Yeah. And uh, obviously you saw the script I wrote. Um, it's, it's a very, very weird film. We just wanted... We'd all just come out of lockdown. Everyone's films had been postponed or just not happening. We were pissed off, so we thought, let's just have a laugh. And that's why I haven't released it, 
because the film to me was to, to take the piss and have fun. I've done that. And now I don't know what to do with the film because I'm sure you can testify. It's, it's really weird. It's out there for sure. Yeah. There's going to be a market somewhere. I'm sure. There's plenty of space for weird dude to be honest. And this film's about at the moment, there is so much being held back by Hollywood and the movie and TV industries. I think it's now boiling the piss of a lot of TV and movie fans yeah. where um, they're just like, hang on a minute, we're in a pandemic here and you are just delaying, 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 delaying. And I mean, Christ almighty, can you imagine it? Wouldn't it have been cool if, if someone in America said, you know what, life's a bit shit at the moment. Why don't we release a new Ghostbusters movie on national telly for free because it will help the psyche and give people a distraction and all the rest of it. Even if they released idea. it to a streaming service yeah. where I could pay to watch it, I yeah. would pay and watch it at home. Same with James Bond. Yeah. Give yeah. me my film already. Yeah, give yeah. me my fucking yeah, choice. It's in the can, isn't it? It's done. Yeah. Let's give it, it out to us. Stop pissing I'm going to be around, fucking but... dead by the time this is coming out. <laughs> yeah, I, know, yeah. I, I don't have any intention of going back to the cinemas now, to be perfectly frank. I'd rather just watch digital. I think I cinema is dead, and I think the studios need to realise that now. I, I'm the other side of the fence. As soon as, as soon as lockdown was over, because I work from home, I can go any time to the cinema. So yeah. I'd always be like really early. So it's just me in there. So I mean, that's what we yeah. used to do. I, I love it so much. I miss the cinema. I um, do miss it a lot. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you say about uh, studios and holding things back. Anyway, it's I'm worried about my career if i was to release they came from the <laughs> oh, okay it's okay is i don't know it's i know it's, it's, it's for what it is it's it's polished i mean what you watch there cost two thousand pounds to make oh wow and you know it's what 50 minutes yeah it is um, yeah because we we built the sets just so we could have fun. Like, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but my character liked to lean on the walls a lot. And they go, yeah. and wobble so badly. Yeah. yeah. Um, we just want to do like Monty Python meets Ed Wood meets Naked Gun. Meets Invasion um, of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. And we've got ideas where we can carry it on, like do a Western uh, and then do like a, a medieval themed one. And I'm like, but is there a market for this kind of thing? Because it's just so stupid. So uh, this always makes me think of two things. Uh, firstly, there's the human centipede, which you mentioned earlier, of course. So there's a, I think there's a market for anything. And then one thing that's always uh, stuck with me, because I'm usually the guy that will sit, that will be in a meeting at work and will say this stupid thing. Just, sometimes it's because I don't care. Sometimes it's because I'm just genuinely being thick. But what, one of the reasons why I do say is because I remember hearing that uh, somebody said, well, look, no matter how bad you think your idea may be, somebody sat in a room once and put forward the idea of sharks in a tornado. And yes. said, let's make a film of sharks in a tornado. And look where that's gone. It's just gone stratosphere. It's gone mental. You know, it's crazy. That, that does frustrate me because like I say a lot of time and effort was put into uh, my film Monster and Next Door. Um, and next door got absolutely pissed on. Like on our IMDb, it's like 3.9 is the rating. But it was that rating before the film was even available to watch. Oh, really? Just Shit. with people just rating it. I'm like, you haven't even seen it because it's not out. Um, I messaged IMDb and they went, no, it's perfectly acceptable. So like, what are you talking about? They haven't watched the film. You are allowing. Yeah. Reviews on an unreleased film. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I remember... Yeah. 
Uh, not that you should have any sympathy because he's he's doing quite well. But I remember Kevin Smith always references that to Dogma. He says Dogma was getting so much uh, hate online by religious fanatics. And he knew at the time only about four people had seen it. And he was one of them. You know, there was some executives at the time. It was Miramax, of course, doesn't exist anymore. And his best friend. These were the only people he knew had seen a start to finish work print. And yet there's people online going, this is blasphemous. This is going to kill religion. It's going to turn your kids to drugs. And I love the film. I think it's amazing. Brilliant. So, yeah. So I suppose we've uh, covered a lot of your work, which is what I wanted to do. But I guess uh, I just want to ask where people go to find more about Matchall. Where were the websites? Where are the best places to get stuff? Where's the best place to get news and then all that sort of good stuff uh, mainly uh i mainly use well <laughs> i try and use facebook so you can find me on match publications but um funny when we first started talking i told you i was banned uh, <laughs> yeah. well i'm at, i actually got banned again today <laughs> oh. i'm yet to get banned i i try and i'm obviously just not pushing the envelope yeah i walked away enough. from facebook i deleted Twitter and Facebook off of my phone completely and LinkedIn as well. And I, do you know what? It was some of the best therapy. About three months ago, I did it. Oh, so uh, do you know what? I feel I so try, much better for it. I try not to scroll Facebook because I find it a poisonous place. But where mm. it's my page, I say who says things and who doesn't. So if yeah. someone comes on there being a dick, I just block them. Yeah. Because go away. I don't have time for this. But I mean, this time I got banned because... Rod Glenn, he's in They Came From The Sky. Um, he's Steve, the the guy spying on, on the wife. Yeah. Um, and he was in Monster and he was in Next Door. Every time he tells me my films are going to become cult classics, I'm like, I don't want them to be a cult classic, mate. I want them to make money now. <laughs> and they said it on Facebook today. Uh, Louis was there. Um, he did the behind the scenes footage for They Came and he just jokingly put on uh, a post about They Came. But... It's going to be a cult classic because he knows it pisses me off. So all I did was I replied, I will fucking cut you. <laughs> and I got an instant ban for Joking. three days. Yeah, immediate threat. Yeah, yeah, you will. You'll get immediate, immediate, any ban. Yeah, you'll get banned the for that. The thing is, though, it's not a threat if you know me and you, you know, because I'm obviously friends with Louis. It's how yeah. I talk. If you do it in but context. Yeah, the algorithms pick it up. So I disputed it going, no, this is, you know, it's not meant like that. It's, it's banter between content. friends, yeah. But because of Corona, they don't have people to look into disputes, so the ban stays in place. I'm like, this is bullshit. <laughs> I mean, I don't buy that with Facebook. I don't see how sitting in some Facebook office in King's Cross with its huge bean bags and health pods and God knows whatever craziness they've got in there is <laughs> different as the bloke sitting at home. Yep, I'm it's not just... it. You it's know. just crap. It just so yeah, I'm banned again. But you can find me on Facebook um, or all of my books if you just put Matt Shaw into Amazon. Um, I think there's nearly 300 books on there that you can read now, and they're all in Kindle Unlimited if you if you've got that. So it doesn't yeah. cost you anything apart from your subscription. And the films uh, only Monster and Next Door are available on Amazon Prime at the moment. Oh, we'll check those out. We're all. They're all big prime heads, so we'll definitely check those out. We'll put the links to them as well, we'll in, the links in the description. Yeah, sadly, the films aren't free on Prime because okay. Prime does not pay a fair rate. Um, and you know, just one of my films I'd like to 
uh, make profit on. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. No, I, I completely understand and can buy into that. That's fine. I, 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 I the only thing the not the only thing I struggle with with Prime is maybe because I don't understand it enough. Is that I generally don't like to rent because I'm trying to build a collection again because I had yeah. thousands of DVDs and now I don't, and that's a whole other story. Uh, and if I bought it through Amazon, I don't know where it would sit, how I would rewatch it, where in five years, if I didn't subscribe to Amazon in any way, where it would sit. I'd, I'd, I'd have no clue as to how that it works. It sits in your Amazon account. I guess it probably does, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it it's does. all fine. So I've got anything I've bought from Amazon DVD-wise or even soundtracks, it appears. If I log into Amazon, whether it be Amazon Music or whatever, it will have all... my purchases and, and it's there. It's there forever. If you bought a, yeah, but what I'm saying is, yeah, so you bought a DVD and it will tell you forever and ever that you bought that DVD. I know I've got Amazon orders going back for you know, God knows how long. But if you buy a d- digital copy of a film, yeah. where does that sit? In your My bought, bought thing. You can download it to your PC or watch it on any of your mm, streaming okay. apps. Fine. I'm just such an Apple bitch. I'm keeping myself to iTunes. No, I, I've learned. I've mastered Amazon, Netflix, and Apple. Um, remember, the force is strong with me when it comes to Apple. You My don't buy things on Netflix, though, do you? Uh, is, I don't own anything on Netflix now. No, just Amazon and iTunes. Yeah. You say you're an Apple bitch, and uh, I, I've had the Apple Watch for, for since since day one, and I've just been upgrading them. I thought I'm bored of this watch, so I want a new watch. I got a new watch, but it's Android. Mm-hmm. So I had my uh, iPhone 11 and it sort of worked, but not very well. And I thought, OK, well, I'm going to change to um, I went with the, the, the Note 20. Mm-hmm. Oh, OK, yeah. I've had it for two weeks and you can see I have one of these very fancy cases. Mm. Right. So you put your credit cards in there. Ooh, you close yeah. it. Right? Lovely. Mm-hmm. The credit cards have actually gouged scratches in Samsung's strongest screen ever in two weeks. And I'm like, this is why I always stayed with Apple. <laughs> yeah, see? I've got yeah. the 8, and it's um, my quad lock case, and I've dropped yeah. this 100 yeah. times, and in quad lock I trust. I wouldn't have any other case. See, this is the 10, which I love. I won't change it until it literally just conks out. I do not dare sneeze on my phone now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. I, I got in touch with Samsung and they're like, well, it's a glass screen. They're going to break. Oh, lovely. I'm like, That's what you need. Okay. <laughs> mm. All right. Well, on that bombshell, we shall let you go, Matt. We'll let you have a bit of a Saturday night and uh, a beer and whatever else that is you tend to do. But thanks for coming on. It's been great. Right. We'd love to have you on. We'll definitely have you back on, hopefully, six or eight months when you've managed to get a bit of work done and we've all managed to get out to a few cons and hopefully got some more stories to tell. Uh, maybe I would have got big by then, gone on the bender, yeah. and well, the next next me will be the drug-ruined one, bankrupt. <laughs> we'll, we'll catch you on the down, because we'll be, still be small, but we'll get you on the down journey, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks for having me. I appreciate, uh, appreciate your time. No, no, it's been well, great fun. Thank you very much. Sir. Have a great night. Cheers, you too. Bye. Cheers, mate. That was really fun. I enjoyed that. That was cool. Uh, got a lot of good body work behind that, him and a lot of good work to come. That man has... He's juggling a lot. Writer, actor, producer, director, editor. He does a lot. That Absolutely man awesome. prolifically does every part of what you would call the life cycle of movies, books, production, the lot. He's, and, yeah. and, he's, and he's still keen. He's still got a passion. 
Um, and he's got a goal and a vision, which is quite good. But um, yeah, some interesting tidbits there, some interesting stories. And really, yeah, I, I, I was uh, quite fascinated. We only brushed over it, but I was quite fascinated by that intro to one of his books, where there's you know it opens with a sex scene and it, you know, and it's incest, and then the mother tells him there's like dinner served, and dinner is the man strapped to a table, and yeah, wow, that's, that's a bit. That's pretty, a yeah, that's a bit much in it. Yeah. That is hardcore. That is yeah. I know someone who wrote a book and published it I worked with on the railways and he said I've got this book I'm doing a book signing at WH Smith so I went to it and I was the only person there oh no to like to get the book so no but I bought the book supporting him I got to sign it and and I started reading it and it was all like cannibalism and all sorts and I was just like and apparently this was supposed to be getting made into a movie and they had um cast they had a cast for it already and one of the members of the cast was um the guy who played Boise from Only Fools and Horses. Hey, and John Chalice. So I think they changed the name of it. I don't know whether it's still even being produced or whatever, but it, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't rate the guy enough because he had so much passion to write yeah. it. It was certainly different. I think anyone who actually sits down and at the end of it produces a book, regardless of whether it pans or it's great or what I think of it, I've got to respect them. You've got to respect them for being able to put together, because it's no easy feat, I'm sure, you know, having to think through that and well, develop in, the characters and the plot maybe, arc. Maybe one day me and you will get the book of man written and maybe one day somebody will pick it up and make a movie of it. That's it. You never know. It's our goals. Anyway, right, let's leave this here. Um, it's just, just been... I just want to say one thing, uh, Scott. If 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 you had a successful evening uh, dogging, let us know. Put it out there. Tell us how I, it went. I broke down on the M6, and I was dogging, <laughs> and it was dogging. great. And the AA turned up, ruined it. Anyway, that's that joke. <laughs> the AA came, and they're the torches, and then they just watched us dog. Hey, <laughs> not good. Right. Anyway, there you go. Let's end it. Anyway, guys, thank you very much for listening. Thank yeah. you for watching. Please like and subscribe on all the social media platforms. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, etc. Yeah. Um, give us feedback. Give it. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Um, and we'll try and tailor this. We're just a group of mates trying to enjoy this and have fun. Um, and until the next one, Outlaws out. Outlaws out. Outlaws out.